It's time for your NBA fix. This is the Big Show Daily Assist. Featuring all the latest news and insight on the association. Now joining the Big Show. Senior NBA writer for The Athletic, Sam Amick. On 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. All right, Sam, we've started off our our conversations with you in many ways over the years, but I don't think we've done this before. Are you okay, Sam? You all right? (laughs) (laughs) You had had an incident. I did, yeah, I did. I'm a lot better than I could have been, so I got nothing but good things to report. I'm still hobbling around a little bit. I'm about to... uh, I'm like the jazz players. I'm making sure I get my ice, my rest and recovery. But I'm hanging in. Yeah, we um, we snuck away to Hawaii last week for like a – it was supposed to be a pre-playoff vacation that was booked back before we thought the season would start as early as it did. So we went to Hawaii. And as you guys know, because I ended up writing about it, um, went on a hike, turned my ankle pretty bad, you know, and I've been through that a million times. But then – all of a sudden, was feeling woozy and feeling nauseous, and and then got dizzy, and then was completely blacked out. So, family kind of panicked and got nervous about it being more serious. And next thing you know, I'm I'm getting pulled out of the jungle by a a helicopter with a, wow. a like a hundred foot cable underneath. Wow. So it was it was quite an adventure. Wait, now, so you are actually flying through the air, uh, attached to a cable, attached to a helicopter. Yeah, so that that's the part. Like, it's a good story, but nothing beats, you know, showing people, uh, you know, for themselves. So I, I wish, like, I really wanted to videotape the ride, but I just, I'm shameless, but I wasn't shameless enough. You know, I'm sitting there getting helped by uh, a medical professional that obviously was there to help me out. And, and so I, I chose not to videotape it because I think he would have definitely frowned upon that. But... <laughs> To your question, Gordon, like, yeah, like, it's exactly what it sounds like, Mission Impossible style. Um, I'm hanging, like, in a canvas uh, diaper, as my 12-year-old <laughs> likes to call it. Um, he's, he's nicknamed me Captain Underpants now. And, uh, <laughs> and, and then, I mean, it felt pretty secure. People keep saying, like, oh, I'd be, I would have been so scared. It's like, strangely, I wasn't really nervous. It felt pretty secure. But, I mean, you're talking about hanging probably a, like a good, you know, I don't know, three to 500 feet above the ground for a couple of miles where they, they essentially flew the two of us who were hanging, you know, very close together, um, flew us to a nearby park and then just lowered us down to the grass and, and you know, on the, the big field in the park. So, yeah, it was, I mean, that part, I'm sitting there going, okay, when are you going to pull me up into the helicopter? I don't understand this. And then it's like, oh, I, I guess we're just going to hang. Sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if if the goal of family vacations is to make memories, Sam, you made you one. Made yeah, yeah you made one. <laughs> oh, yeah. He was like... He did. <laughs> Sam, you were, like a, a, you were like a mountain goat being relocated. <laughs> exactly. Well, there's... You know, there, I made a Jurassic Park reference in my column, and... <laughs> I, uh, I spent a little time on YouTube, you know, searching for Jurassic Park and helicopters because I was trying to re- like refresh my memory on, you know, what choppers were in that movie. And lo and behold, Gordon, there is a scene where <laughs> rather it was the opposite. Rather than pulling somebody out of the jungle, they, they drop a goat by helicopter 
into the dinosaur cage so the T-Rex had something to eat. So, nice. you know, thankfully it, I had a better fate than that. But, but yeah, it was crazy. Now, tell me you weren't, like, uh, on that stairway to heaven or some crazy place like that. What, what, which island were you on, Sam? So we were on Oahu um, and on the southeast side, which is – it's funny. I We like Oahu a lot, and people always go, oh, but Waikiki is – too crazy and it's like a city and it is but it's like yeah if you get out of there like it's pretty cool stuff on the island so this is like a it's not about what i mean neighborhood but there's just a lot of nature and there's a um there's a waterfall it's called the Mutawili falls and you park your car in a neighborhood and there's a trailhead and you start going from there and i'd say it was in the neighborhood of two hours round trip um and that, you know somewhere around there where you know, like fairly, let's say a modern hike. Like the kids were getting pushed a little more than they thought they would be. And I was doing fine before the ankle turned. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it was, you know, a lot of tree roots, obviously a lot of rocks, um, some mud. So not a shocker. I'm sure I'm not the only one who turned my ankle out there that day. But it was more of the passing out that. They freak everybody out because I've never ever had something like that happen. Wow, we're glad you're okay, yeah, man. Glad you're all right. That's that's important. I appreciate it. Thank you, boys. Well, Sam, uh, very eager to hear your reaction to the Jazz being able to hang on and and winning Game One. They look fantastic. Um, that was a fun game to watch. It's funny. I've seen some stuff on social media where people are complaining about some of the games being boring, and it's like, well. You didn't watch uh, Jazz Clippers game one because that was incredible. You know, and Donovan, what he did in the third quarter, I mean, that was, it was I, you know, like I said, it was fun. It was it was playoff stuff. It was the stuff of legend, the stuff of legacy, whatever you want to call it. That's a guy, you know, who showed his passion in the first round, I think, when honestly, you know, like I have zero problem with the way that he handled his frustration not being able to play in game one because of the ankle because it just showed how fired up and ready he was. And then he just played out of his mind in those last four games against Memphis. And then the first half against the Clippers, you're kind of going, oh, okay, he's he's human again and he's not playing all that well. Um, being somewhat passive, um, you know, indecisive, taking jumpers when you're used to seeing him going around. You know, and then third quarter just figures it out and turns it on and Quinn Snyder has that a pretty telling message that the TNT microphones picked up on. So good win for them, and, and I think a great sign for fans everywhere that it's going to be a good series because it's like, okay, they got that one, but you know you can take this thing either way. The Clippers have a lot of reasons to feel good because Kawhi didn't play very well and neither did Paul George. And, uh, you know, and then it kind of comes back to that formula that makes the Clippers so interesting where – on paper, they have two wing superstars. And, you know, no other team other than Brooklyn can say that. And, and you know, the question then becomes, can a team like Utah still make it happen and beat them? You know, I well, one of the remarkable things of that game to me was the fact that the Jazz missed those 21 first-quarter shots, uh, 20 of them in a row. And they still come back and win that game, Sam. I, I that's not going to happen to the Jazz. They're not, and they're not going to shoot forty percent again. I don't think in this series. So that's right. the good news for the Jazz that the rest of the team 
can play much better than it did, even without Mike Conley, who would obviously help them in a major way. Absolutely. I mean, it's another tough blow tonight to not have Mike out there again. You know, I think it's probably a tall task to get two games from the Clippers without Mike. But then again, that, that's what makes it's going to make this whole series challenging because, you know, I think you know, winning with Mike Conley coming off a, a hands, you know a hamstring re-injury that they had him on the shelf is going to be hard too. You can't expect too much from any guy coming out of a hammy injury. So. You know, that doesn't bode well for the Jazz. And, uh, you know, I thought in the first half, and I mean, I want to, I'm probably going to botch the credit here in terms of which commentator it was. I want to say Greg Anthony, but whoever was on that game talked a lot about um, them missing Conley and the real nuanced discussion about how guys like Joe Ingles and some of the other playmakers on the Jazz, like, you know, they know how to find people, but they just weren't doing so with the pinpoint accuracy that Conley typically does. And, you know, Joe in particular, they talked about setting Rudy up down low, you know, for looks that, that if you just would have waited a step and given it to him a moment later, that then, then maybe Rudy doesn't bring it down and lose the ball or miss the shot or whatever. Just So not having Mike is the type of thing that it just it's you know takes the offense down a, a pretty serious notch and and we'll see on the other side the Clippers remain you know they fought out of that Dallas series and you've got to give them credit but I think by and large they still remain like kind of a crapshoot when it comes to where are their heads going to be at and what kind of competitive spirit are we going to see so I'm I'm pretty curious to see how they come out tonight. Sam, I just want to run a Rudy Gobert take by you and, and get your reaction. He gets his third defensive player of the year of his career, and I was really, I mean, not that he didn't deserve the other two, but I was really happy he got this one because I thought this was by far his best defensive year, and I thought it was cool that he was recognized for it. What do you think? Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I mean, I voted for him. I had Ben Simmons second and Draymond third, like a lot of people. Um, it's funny, I saw, you know, I we've talked about it on the show. I love talking to Draymond about this kind of stuff. And, and so I had an interview with Draymond about a month ago, breaking down the defensive player of the year debate. And he had a, a similar discussion yesterday, I think with Taylor Rooks from Bleacher Report. I don't know if you guys saw this, but I thought it was interesting. So to her credit, she just, you know, on camera with Draymond owned the fact that she had not had him, in her top three and said, okay, tell me why I'm wrong. And he fairly, you know, definitively made a statement about how, you know, he didn't call Rudy out by name, but like the bigs who, who, who run into defensive situations where the coach might not want them on the floor, that, it, that his opinion is that like, that's tough to argue that they're defensive player of the year, that a guy like Draymond, you will never ever run into somebody, you know, or, or I'm sorry, a situation where you don't want him on the floor. It's an interesting point, but I walked away going, no, I don't think so. Because with Rudy, first of all, he continues to prove people somewhat wrong when it comes to the fact that, oh, if you if you switch him out on the perimeter, then he's going to be like, you know, a baby giraffe that you can take advantage of. Those days are over. You know, he had that block at the end of game one that was huge and I thought pretty symbolic of the way he's evolved as a defender. But then beyond that, it's like you can't you gotta account for the, the you know, the tremendous impact that he's making, like we've talked about, not only at the rim, 
but you know, and negatively impacting the opponent's three-point shooting because of the way his teammates can defend on the perimeter, knowing that he's behind them. And I, I just think that nobody in the league had, you know, really uh, anywhere near the impact night in, night out that Rudy did. Now, Draymond was up there, and Ben was up there, but thought he had a great year, and I think he's forcing us in the media and the fans to really make sure and reevaluate how we value players. You know, I, I think uh, we talked also about how my colleague John Hollinger had Rudy as a top-five MVP candidate. Now, I didn't, but it's like, it, you know, it got me thinking, and I, and I think going forward, we got to keep making sure that we're really figuring out you know, where a player like that's valued. The interesting thing about what you just said, Sam, is that the Jazz as a team are trying to prove that as a team. Not just Rudy, not just Donovan, but they're trying to show everybody that they are a high-quality team that is in true contention for a title. So there are some parallels there, and that's a theme with this team. They are thinking about that, and I think they probably mm. agree that you cannot get that kind of respect until you prove it, and that's what they're that's what right. they're up to here. Right, 100%. Well, and it's it's a moment like, like Rudy's block. Who, and listen, who knows what will happen tonight? He could have a bad moment. But I thought it was important – because first of all, you know, the three of us here, we kind of eat and breathe and live this stuff. So we're watching in the preseason, we're watching in the regular season, and of course we're watching closely in the playoffs. But the reality is that, you know, most of America and, you know, the world at large is barely paying attention until the playoffs. And so narratives get, you know, built and pulled down and created right now more than ever. And so if you're Draymond, you got a lot of juice behind your argument because you've been on that NBA final stage five times. And, you know, you, you've walked the walk and you talked the talk too. And with Rudy and the Jazz, yeah, it's like you have to do it now in order to impress people because I mean, a guy who comes to mind, and he'll have his time, I'm sure, but, like, for all the hype of Zion Williamson, who has got a bigger profile as a young player than – or at least as big as anybody else. Um, the reality is, like, right now, Zion's not part of the playoffs. And so, you know, you get lost in the conversation. So, to your point, Gordon, about the Jazz and trying to reshape minds, I mean, there's no better way of doing it than, than going out and being who you are right now and winning games. Sam, are the Bucks going to put up a fight? It doesn't look like it. <laughs> I mean, and I don't know, like... I don't know. I mean, the Nets are obviously supremely talented, but it's like, my goodness, no James Harden. Um, you know, Giannis being incredibly passive against Blake Griffin, which is mind-boggling. Um, it doesn't look good. It reminds me of, you know, when I was in the bubble covering Milwaukee against Miami, if you just want to, you know, the old cliche about, you know, who do you want in the foxhole, like if you would have just asked my opinion of, you know, Eric Spolstra and Jimmy Butler or Mike Lindholzer and Giannis, I would have laughed out loud. Like, in that moment, it's it's not like, I don't know what's happening with you Milwaukee boys, but, you know, give me those other two Miami guys in the foxhole. And there's a feeling like that now. I'm not as close to it. I'm not covering that series in person. But, you know, I don't know. Giannis in particular, it's this is going to be a tough stain on his resume if they go down like this, because it's, you know, the coaching situation is the coaching situation. And I think it's very likely that 
that if they lose the series, who knows it'll probably be out. But it doesn't mean that a lot of this isn't going to fall at Giannis's feet too. And then the other guys, I mean, Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday have not played near as well in this round as they did in the last one. And it's such a perplexing thing because they just came off that revenge series against Miami. You know, I don't know if they got too high and, and thought that that was the, uh, the unofficial vindication there, but they do not look good right now. Sam, what do you think of uh, Mike Malone? Um, I'm sorry, Michael Malone. Get that and, right. Yeah, let's get it right. Get that right. Uh, his comments. I mean, he knows his locker room better than anyone you would expect. But to say your right. team quit and call your team soft, it, 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 I don't know. What do you make of that? Uh, I liked it. You know, I got a pretty good feel for their group. And it's like Michael was doing that kind of stuff early with the Nuggets in the kind of way that's how he's always been. He's just a shoot a straight shooter and he's not afraid to, to take people off in his locker room or his organization. But he would do that stuff early on and predictably not talking years ago when he first got to Denver, you would hear people start to say around the league like he's a good coach, but yeah, he's gonna wear out his welcome real quick and they thought that he would be a goner. Over time you know, and I thought that this is fascinating. Like he he spent so much time in the off seasons, actually establishing relationships in a really meaningful kind of way with all of our people. You know, going overseas to uh, to Jokic's you know home country, going to to see different guys here and there, and investing in them as people in the kind of way that I know at first glance, a moment like last night makes people say, "Oh man, these players are probably." you know, kind of MFing them behind the scenes. And it's like, and they might be, but it, it's got, they got such a foundation between him and the players that I think he's, he's got the capital to get his message across and, and have it be fine. And the only ones you really got to care about, really, you know, I mean, he clearly wasn't afraid for Jokic to hear that message. Because, and that's a guy who's as close to on the team as anybody. You know, I have heard some stuff about some of the role guys who might not always feel you know, Michael's style, but that doesn't really matter all that much. So, you know, we'll see how they respond. And, and I like it. I like the fact that, that he, he's not willing to just kind of lower the expectations because they don't have Jamal Murray, you know, and they just got Will Barton back. Uh, he's trying to let these guys know that I still think we're capable of getting to the conference finals again. Well, we should round out the series talk and ask you about uh, Philly and Atlanta. Who do you like uh, in that series now that's uh, a game of peace? On series, I mean, I still would have a hard time seeing the Hawks win the whole thing. You know, they, I thought, and this is not to take anything away from it, but at first half in game one, they, they seemed like they caught lightning in a bottle a little bit and they caught the Sixers underestimating an opponent. Um, but then, you know, you, you also saw the fight that they came back with in game two when they were down big and, and came all the way back. So they're not going to go away easily. But I think, you know, the combination of the Sixers' physical defense, and you saw them try to start acting like bullies in game two, some of them beat on down, you know, and, and guys being physical. They're going to try to beat up Trey Young in the way that Tom Thibodeau, for some reason, didn't in the next series. So, you know, ultimately, if I'm picking a winner there, I think, I think the Sixers will hang on, but I think the Hawks are going to get a couple games. They're a really good team. 
they uh, they got edge. You, you can tell they have kind of that you know that feeling that everybody's counting them out and they don't really care what people think type vibe. So I think it'll be fun, but I think Philly wins that. Last thing for me, Sam, is you said earlier who knows what's going to happen tonight with the uh, Jazz and Eclipse. What do you think is likely to happen? Will we see some fight out of the Clippers? you think that's going to be what happened in game one is going to spur them on? Or do you think maybe the Jazz might have their number? Um, I would probably go with the former. I think the Clippers will show some fight. I want to give them, I mean, I question them as much as anybody along the way, but I'll give them some, some love, I guess, based on like, you know, they showed in the Dallas series. I mean, it's not easy to, to win four out of five after being down two nothing. And they did that. And I think Tyloo had a lot to do with that. And Kawhi obviously played just supreme basketball. And, you know, I don't anticipate him again, having a game two, like he had a game one. So, yeah, you know, I, I think it'd be a good game, but I, I think I'd be real surprised if the Clippers didn't fight. You know, if nothing else, they, they just learned the hard way that going down two nothing is really hard. And, yeah, and and then he, it also is that thing where, as the as the road team, you know, you just got to win one, and then you, if they get tonight, they're in a fantastic spot going back home. Sam, thank you so much as always for dropping by the show. We appreciate it, and we're glad that that ankle's okay. <laughs> thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Talk to you next week. See you, buddy. That's our friend Sam Amick, senior NBA writer for the Athletic. Okay, so can you imagine flying through the air? In a, what do you call it, a diaper? Yeah. Hanging from a helicopter? That that must have been quite the experience for him. You said it right. You go on vacation to make memories? I made a memory. Okay, this is not your would you rather, but would you rather be airlifted with a helicopter like Sam was or taken from, say, Hidden Peak all the way to the bottom of Snowbird in the toboggan? Uh, okay, uh, so I'm I can enjoy the ride. I don't have to worry about. Well, an injury. you've got an injured ankle in both both cases. Because that'd be rough in the toboggan. Yeah, to get bounced that'd be a little, around a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I'd I'd go with the helicopter. Go with the helicopter. Yeah. Okay, that is not the official. Would you rather? No, that is not. We'll have more big show coming up next. 97.5 and twelve eighty the zone.